Hello, Blog Talk family. Long we talk are radio. Hello, Blog Talk family. We are getting ready to start this edition of Wednesday Warriors. Glad that you guys decided to join us. We're getting ready to go live here in just a moment with our uh, Facebook audience. So, and Periscope. You can't forget this. We are so excited to have them a part of it, and so we're getting ready to uh, chime in here. So if you give us a second, we're going to go live. My surface. No. Yes? All right. Well, we are officially here to welcome you to this edition of Wednesday Warriors. I'm excited to have the Warrior Nation in the house with me tonight. We've got great things we're going to discuss. We've got some things we're going to get into in our journey of understanding our faith before time began. So we we dealt with that a lot last week. We're going to go there again this week. So I'm excited to have you all on board. Make sure that you get your book. Get your coffee, get your cozy chair, and most of all, get your friends. Have them share, share, share tonight's broadcast because we want everybody to be a part of this journey and this study with us. So make sure that you share, share, share with your friends as you're getting ready to do this edition of Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. Yes, I actually have a warrior in the house. Hey. Okay. So we're excited tonight. We're doing Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum by our favorite author, Dr. Paula A. Clark. Yes, the groundbreaker and the pioneer of, of really setting us into our place of destiny. You know, every move has its demarcation, and it has its signs of the kind of fruit and, and the kind of doctrine and, and, and faith it brought us into. Each move and each strand even of the gospel, as Dr. Price has pointed out, brings you into a degree and measure of faith in another aspect, in another dimension of your God, in another dimension of who he is. Would you not say that that's true, that each doctrine, each gospel brought you into a, a, a different level of faith about who God is? You know, we talked about that, right, a couple of weeks back, that when you come into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to have faith in his character first before you have faith in his privileges, his blessings, and his possessions. I know we start off teaching you how to go after the stuff, but in order for you to get grounded and for you to be secure in who you are in Christ, you must be secure in who God is and character and stature and in position. Would you not say that that's true tonight? You have to believe that. So you have to first come to God believing that he is. Before you can even uh, uh, accept or receive his reward, you have to first believe that he is. Then believe that he will be a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Because your faith in God increases with the seeking. The more you seek him, the more your faith will expand in who he is. And so we understand that each gospel, okay, each doctrine increases your faith because guess what it does? It gives you a new understanding and a new reality about who God is and about his character. And so in this dispensation, dare we say, the gospel of the continuum, 
is going to increase your faith or designed to increase your faith about who you are in Christ, about Christ in you. Some doctrines and some gospels are about increasing your love walk. Others are about increasing your, uh, uh, your holiness, your righteousness, your understanding of patience, grace, mercy. We've heard it all. And our faith has become abundant, right, when it comes to talking about God's grace. It's abundant when it comes to talking about God's mercy. But when it comes to this whole process of transforming into the image and the likeness of God, becoming like the only begotten son, well, where do you think our degree of faith has been by the fruit of the church? Ooh. Okay? What do y'all think, Periscope and Facebook? By the, judging by the fruit of the church, where has our faith really been? I can tell you where our faith has been, which is what was a part of my war plan this week for myself personally. Every week I set up a war plan because I have to go in ready to defend that which Christ is doing in me. Oh, come on. I don't know. Did you appreciate that, Miss Vanessa? I want you to understand that. I'm going to try to say as still as I can. You see, my producer's going to get me, y'all. All right? <laughs> but understand, I set up a war plan every week to protect, defend, and empower myself to function in what God is doing in me so that his work in his efforts, not only do they not fall to the ground, but they can be multiplied in strength, multiplied in performance, multiplied in identity through me every week. You, if you, Dr. Price said to us many years ago, if you don't plan to succeed, you plan to fail. So every week I set myself up to plan to succeed at this walk with God and in this salvation. So I set up a plan to war. I set up a plan to, to deflect the tactics of the enemy. I set up a plan to confront deception. I set up a plan to deal with seduction. I set up a plan to knock out temptation. I set up a plan to direct my enemies where I need them to go. Oh, come on. That's being equal, letting this mind be in me that was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, come on. If we're going to let this mind be enough, we have to take on Christ's mentality. And Christ did not come to earth without a war plan. Oh, I don't think anybody heard that. But I said that Christ did not come to earth without a war plan. See, he planned to succeed. So he came with more than just his faith. He came with tactics. He came with a strategy. He came with power. He came with authority. Oh, because he planned to succeed. He did a pump. His desperate in uh, this, this whole process in weakness. He didn't uh, approach this attempting. He didn't approach this hoping. He came declaring the outcome. Oh, come on. Because he plans to succeed. We have to think as believers in this season what our plan is, what our actions are really dictating what we're planning to do. Because your action about your faith, your attitude and perspective about your faith, oh, come on in here, is dictating what you're planning to do, what your plans are. As you look around my life over the last couple of weeks and say, what am I really planning to achieve by the behaviors and habits I'm engaging in concerning my faith, concerning my walk with the Lord right now? What are they communicating? What are they saying to me? What are they dictating to me right now? 
Because, you know, habits create a habitat. Mm. Habits create a habitat. They create an environment. See, that's why Jesus talked about when the devil gets cast out. Finding the place swept clean. Coming back and finding a place. Because a place is a habitat for your habits to live. Mm. But didn't he say he would come to inhabit the praises of his people? Because he's looking for a habitat that is built on a habit of worshiping him, where worship is a habit. Oh, come on. Dr. Price told us that it has to become a passion before it can become a compunction. Oh, come on. That's what we're talking about. So your habits build a habitat for your belief and your passion. Your habits build a habitat for your belief and your passion. So whatever your environment is, it's a reflection of where your passion is. Oh, come on. And if your passion isn't in succeeding and becoming and doing all of the things that your Christian faith or that Jesus has designed you to do, Okay. Your habitat doesn't reflect that. If your habits don't reflect that, then guess what? We're not planning to succeed. We're not planning to go after the things that he told us. Oh, come on. We're not planning to become the product. So you have to look back at your habits and say, what am I actually planning to become? What do my habits and my habitat indicate that I'm actually planning to become? Because there are intentions, there are motives, and then there are habits. And how many of you all can say, come on in the place, that sometimes our habits or our intentions don't line up with our habits? Well, God, I intended to pray this week. I intended to read my word. I intended to go after this, that, and the other thing. I intended to pursue that purpose. I intended to obey. But you have to ask yourself, are you going to be the product? Is what's going to be produced out of your life, your intentions, or your habits, your deeds? What is going to be measured in the outcome? Can we say that today? Is it going to be your deeds or your intentions? I intended to go to heaven. That was my intention on earth. But God knows that out of the abundance of your heart, not only will your mouth speak, but your life will ultimately produce what you believe. It will, it's designed to produce your passion. Oh, come on in the place. It's designed to produce your passion. Your will ultimately, like every being in creation, come on, if we are made in the likeness and the image of God, God's will desires to be manifested. It desires to produce. His will exists to be performed. It doesn't exist to just be heard. It doesn't exist to just be vocalized. Come on in the place. God's will exists to do a couple of things, manifest itself, be performed, be manifested, and be established. Be performed, be manifested, and be established. That is what God's will is designed to do. That's why it exists. And if we're made in the image and likeness of God, that's what we're going to do. Ultimately, we're going to look for a place and a way to have our will performed and manifested and established in your life. 
And if you want to know what your will is producing, and if you want to know what your will is establishing, look at your habitat. Look at your environment. Amen? So that's why at the top of every week, I plan. I plan to defend and I plan to protect what God is doing in me. He says, work out your own salvation. So every Monday morning, I plan to work out what my salvation will produce in me and how it will perform in me and what it will perform for me in my life at the top of the week. Because God says you declare the end from the beginning. So I declare how my week's going to end from the beginning by establishing what my plan is so that I can tell my habits, I can tell my passions, I can tell my behaviors, I can tell my soul, I can tell my spirit, I can tell this lazy flesh at times. I can tell it what to do because I have a plan for you this week. Oh, come on. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, tell your weakness, I have a plan for you this week. I have a plan for you, though. I see, y'all don't know if this ever happens to you where sometimes Sunday night before Monday comes, all of a sudden your flesh goes into a mode, goes into a posture about whatever it is you have to face that week. Whether it's a job you don't like, come on, a ministry that's, okay, stretching you, we'll say the ministry stretches us, okay? We don't want to say, okay, that, you know, it can sometimes be the, ball and chain of our existence. We'll just say the ministry is stretching us. Praise God. So whether it's your ministry stretching you, your flesh starts to reel in the process because it's trying to. See, come on. The iniquity that's still left in your soul looking for a place and an outlet of authority starts on Sunday night trying to shape your week, trying to plan what you're going to do. What voice, what authority, what power, what spirit is going to control your outcome? Oh, come on. Because remember, we said everything's vying for expression. So as a warrior, which is why we call ourselves Wednesday Warriors, we start our week with a plan to war. And war stands for just being willing, able, and ready. Sometimes you just have to be willing to work with God, able to cooperate, and ready to 100% submit to his will and his way for you, allowing him to perfect your faith and complete you in him. Oh, come on. Because sometimes we have to be ready to allow Jesus Christ to complete us. Complete us. Complete the side of you that can't rise up above the opposition, rise up above the doubts, the fears, rise up above the circumstances, rise up above the hurt and the pain. And God had to tell me one time, he said, "Uh, uh, uh, but you can't do this by yourself. You need me to come in and complete you. Complete where your hope is. Complete what your flesh cannot produce. There's a reason why he said that he is the power of God unto salvation. Because you cannot do Christ's walk without his power. You cannot do this without his ability. 
You cannot live his life without him. That's why people can end up becoming humanists and ones that do good deeds. But they can't bring you into the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That only happens by his power. Because, see, God's salvation isn't about uh, producing someone who'll be kind to their neighbor, who'll just walk around loving and handing out food. See, that wasn't the objective. See, the objective of salvation is that we become a different person. We become a different product. We produce something else. That we don't, we don't sit there and just patty cake and coexist and walk alongside sin and shake hands with evil and try to meditate it through our good deeds and through handing out food and through passing out God's love with liberality. No, 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 no. See, God says the, the evidence of my salvation is that you not only change and are transformed, but you have dominion over it. See? He doesn't want you to just love your circumstance. He wants you to have authority to dismantle it the way he did darkness. See, Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. And see, when that's what his objective is. When we're talking about life in Christ Jesus, we're talking about going on a search and destroy mission. Not medicating ourselves with good deeds and modifying our behavior. Okay? With this whole concept of neighborly love. Because the love doctrine that's being touted right now is about behavior modification. It's not about casting out devils. It's not about breaking the power that's trying to destroy your life. It's not about breaking the stronghold that's trying to take you out. It's about anesthetizing you by making you feel good about you and not have to deal with what is trying to destroy your soul. And what is preventing you from rising in the power and the authority that Jesus Christ promised. It's about putting you, putting what? Oh, come on in here. It's about putting what Jesus came to destroy back to sleep. It's about sedation. Sedating you by making you feel like if you just give some food to the poor, you'll be all right. Oh, come on in here. But the lion spirit that's tearing up your marriage, the lion spirit that's costing you your job, that needs to deceive, that covetousness in your soul. See, he doesn't want you to deal with that. Ah, come on in here. Because he likes his habitat. He likes his habitat. So he doesn't want to come after that. He would rather, oh, come on, you console yourself than be converted. And we have to know the difference between consolation and conversion. We're propelling you to feel consoled about who you are as a human being in this flesh. And we're propelling you to convert into the human divine power source that God called you to be. He's giving you to trade down. This love doctrine is about trading down. It's not about sitting in your heavenly place. Because he knows that if you take your place, he loses his. Oh, we don't, we ain't saying it, are we? The continuum showed us. The continuum told us. It's not about that. But if he loses his place, oh, come on in the, oh, come on now. If you take your place, the enemy loses his. Mm. Maybe we can think about that for just a second. But if you take your place, so he's always trying to get you to trade down your place so he can keep one of his sons and daughters there. Oh, come on. He wants to keep one of his sons and daughters there. He's not looking to be out of a job. 
which is why he's going to come back if the place is left clean, if the place is not occupied with your identity in Christ. It's not occupied with faith. It's not occupied with hope. It's not occupied with love. It's not occupied with righteousness. It's not occupied with wisdom. It's not occupied with truth. It's not occupied with fortitude. Oh, come on in here. Perseverance. All of the things that he said, if it's not occupied, I'm going to bring that seven to my friends because we're looking for a place. That's why what it said about Jesus Christ, that when the prince of the world came, it would find no place. There's no habitation. There's no room for you to inhabit. There's no seduction, weakness in my soul that you can occupy to regain your place. And the enemy is always going to try to get you to abandon your place in God. That's why and when we fall into trial, the first thing we want to do is what? We don't want to pray. We don't want to go to church. With this whole thing about getting out of church is we hurt. So who's filling the churches if you're not going? Who is filling the churches if we're not there? If we're all flicking our wounds at home, if we're all dealing with our hurts and pains, if we're going to tell and let everybody know that nobody's going to treat me like that, you're not going to do me this way, I'm going to appreciate with this and that other thing, who's taking over the churches? There is no power void. Isn't that what they say? What they say? The universe abhors a vacuum. Is that what the Zen Buddhists say? The pagans say? So if, if that is indeed true, and Jesus said it a whole nother way, praise God. He never leaves a vacancy. So if God doesn't leave a vacancy, then who is taking our seat? See, sometimes you have to ask who's benefiting the most from your behavior, from your actions. See, the doctrines of the devil will benefit the devil's kingdom. Okay. The doctrines of the devil will benefit the devil's kingdom. When he's ready to take us out, he comes with that nice, seducing spirit and that doctrine that again consoles us, but leaves the kingdom defenseless. Consolation versus conversion. It consoles us but leaves the kingdom defenseless. I'll give you an example. Y'all want to hear a little hot button from the chief? This is a hot button from the chief. I read an article. Prophet Jean is here to witness because she got angry with me. I love a good, I love, I love taking on battles with a good prophet. I know that y'all don't understand this about her because, you know, you everybody know prophet ass ain't no joke. You don't, don't mess with that. We, we call her tiny and mighty. Don't get confused. Don't get twisted on that front. But most people think that a D is just a nice one. She all sweet and calm and no, no. She packed a little sword in there. She'll cut you with a switchblade of truth and incise it. Would you say that she makes a surgical incision in your soul? And it's not until you come out of the anesthesia of her sound, the anesthesia of her presence, that you realize that you just got cut and were surgically okay. Operated on. So we're reading this article talking about constellation versus conversion, us preaching doctrines and sermons to consult ourselves and even the kingdom defenseless. So we read this article from this man, okay, that talks about if you pay to a pastor's collect tithe, they're robbing God. Because tithing's under the law. We need to do every part of the law. La 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 la. Connect the dot. La 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 la. So we sat there, and of course, he goes on a theological treatise of this and dissertation 
You don't espouse a doctrine like this without having all of your ducks lined up in a row. Historically, scripturally, all of those things. And many of you have probably heard this before. It's not really that new. In the 80s, it was a big move. You don't tie to tie things under the law. Until Dr. Price said to work something, and he used all of this. Well, uh, uh, it was under Leviticus recent, and uh, it, uh, yes, it's true that Abraham paid tithes, and that was before the law, but he only did it one time. How do we know that? We don't know that he paid tithes one time. First of all, Isaac went on to pay tithes, and so did Jacob. Where did they get the tradition from? And uh, the priesthood that collects the tithe, uh, I'm stuck, but he will say that the priesthood that actually collects tithes and offerings and instituted that was Melchizedek. Well, and they are living forever. They predate the law, don't they, in existence. Melchizedek came before the law. Melchizedek came before Abraham. So, we're going, we're, we're in the office doing this up, but I'm going somewhere. We're in the office doing this up. Remember, consolation versus conversion, right? So I'm sitting there thinking, well, the Melchizedek priesthood is due to Jessica's, and they predate the Levitical priesthood because they're why the Levitical priesthood actually exists. You know, I'm stuck. And I'm stuck at the fact that uh, the law, where did the Ten Commandments come from? Can anybody answer that question? Where did they come from, Vanessa? Where did we get the Ten Commandments from? Oh, the Ten Commandments came down from where? The place we're trying to get back to? Okay, so the law, the Ten Sayings that produced all of those 601 edicts came from where? Heaven. And who did Moses engage when he was on that mountain? Oh, I heard somebody say, did y'all hear that too, Periscope? Are y'all saying that too, Facebook? That the person that, that Moses actually got the ten things from, when he was on that mountain, was who? Jesus Christ. That's why he said, I can't destroy it, because I love it. So the law is not, didn't come out, it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the result of the bubonic plague. It wasn't the result of, of the black, okay, a black death. Something that came out to really disease all of humanity. We treat the law and we preach about the law as if you're going to catch a disease by following it. Woo, uh-uh, let's go, let's go. Woo, we, uh-uh, that's the law. That's the law. That's legal. That's the law. That's legal. That's legal. That's legal. The law is eternal because it came from our eternal founder, Jesus Christ. Tell me at what point in creation that God's going to want us to start stealing, fornicating, coveting our neighbors, anything. Come on in the place. At which point is that going to happen? But as man probably did play it out in our own scenario, can you imagine that your claim to fame as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, will you stand before this man who laid down his life for you? and gave you the privilege and the honor of living with him eternally, your claim to fame is, yeah, so what did you bring to the altar? Well, my living sacrifice was, I taught people not to tithe to you. I can imagine the 24 elders, the enumerated couple of angels, the church of the firstborn, the general assembly, okay? The spirits of just men made perfect that are all standing there 
not to tie to my church. You're laying that on on the altar. That's the goose that laid the golden egg for you. Yeah. Now let's play that out. Is it a constellation? I'll ask you, Facebook. I'll ask you, Periscope. Is that a constellation or is that a conversion? Because who's benefiting from us not tithing? That's the main question I have. Theological debate and scripture squabbling aside, who benefits if we stop giving to the church? It consoles us. Believe a kingdom undefended. No man can go to war at his own expense. That's what Paul said. No man can go to war. So who is benefiting? You see why we need the continuum? Because while we're constellated by not having to take that 10% out of our pocketbook, the kingdom that we are willing to be a part of, the kingdom that defends our lives day after day, 24-7, remains undefended. We couldn't possibly go out there. I know that the biggest motivation is that what all preachers do is steal your money. It don't matter what they do with your money. What they do with your money is between them and God. You ain't sowing to a preacher. You're sowing to your eternal father. You're not sowing the flesh. Oh, come on. Is that okay to say? And I'm out there now. Prophet D, you still with me? Because, you know, I'm out there now. I might, they might bite me back on that, right? Don't we love it? You know why? Not the true believer, not the organic Christians, because you know what? They care about their Savior. And they care about their sovereign. And they care about their nation. And they don't want their nation to be undefended. Oh, come on in here. Who benefits from these doctrines? You have to start playing out the scenario all the way. After you've been consoled and comforted. And after the spirit of condemnation and judgment is off your shoulders, you have to ask yourself, who were you just converted to? So your money has now been converted to where? J.C. Penney, Sears. Target, Starbucks, and we know how these people feel about Jesus Christ, don't we? We can tell by what? The culture war, where they stand on Jesus Christ. Starbucks don't have a problem letting us know. So now their campaign against them is well-funded because you're not wanting to pay your tithes while your kingdom stands there defenseless. Because money is a defense, as wisdom is a defense. So who wants us undefended? Who's going to benefit from that? Where's our claim to fame? And where does that lie really in the agenda of the continuum? That the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. Oh, come on in the place. You have, that's why Dr. Christ wrote the continuum. So you can know what every deity's agenda really is and stop those agendas when they creep in unaware. When they talk about Joe, a Jew brother, people creeping in, come on, unaware. That's how they creep in unaware. That's how the enemy creeps in unaware. He sits down and listens to our complaints about what we have to give up and do for Jesus Christ, and he capitalizes on that and turns your complaint into a stronghold and a garrison against what the Lord came here to do, a garrison against the gospel. He turns your complaining into a stronghold. Because why? Words are what? Spirit and life. What did the angel say? But I, we came because of your words. Because we, as we discovered in our post-warrior challenge, that the first prophets were who? The angels. We came because of your words. 
And we, as the body of Christ, have to think about what our words are actually producing other than people yelling and screaming in the sea, frothing at the mouth, throwing hand towels, and running around the sanctuary. So after our words have produced all of that hype, what's the fruit? What's the fruit? Yeah, we have to shut down because, you know, the money just isn't there. Well, I want to do God's vision, but there's no financing. How many of us have said, come on, you can raise your, raise your mobile device on this issue or get me a heart if you agree? How many of you said that I can't fulfill my purpose because I don't have the resources? I want, to, I, I want to go out there and find ways to what? Finance the kingdom. Because we recognize we cannot go and steal the, the heathen's inheritance just because we're doing something for God. Uh-oh. We can't do that. So God's resolution to securing the church that would be the size of the grain of a mustard seed when he first started is by having givers. With an act say, they had all things in common, and they took up their own treasury and laid it down at the apostles' feet. Conversion or consolation. Conversion or consolation. Are our sermons consoling our fleshly issues, but not moving us a day closer toward becoming the measure and stature of all that is Jesus Christ and everything he really gave his life to do for us? Oh, come on. See, this is about giving you the end game, what the end objective is. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. Jesus came to get his world back. Mm. And he taught 12 men into dying and laying down their lives and resisting to bloodshed to do it. A kingdom at that time that couldn't give them big houses. A kingdom at that time that couldn't give them fancy cars. A kingdom at that time that couldn't give them great edifices. A kingdom at that time that couldn't give them millions of dollars. Oh, come on. A kingdom that can only give them a promise of eternal life. And they die for it. We won't even go to church for it. But they die for it. And my war plan includes every day when I'm getting up and I'm making sacrifices for this gospel to get out, for this continual message to get out. I remind myself every day, not only did Jesus did it, do it first, but everybody else did too. They rose above their fear of death. They rose above their fear of persecution. They rose above the fear of losing their lives to see to it that Jesus' kingdom not only exists, but it was defended. Paul gave his life trying to get the gospel to Caesar because he knew that if he could get the gospel in the hands of a government, he can establish it on earth because nothing can be established without government. Mm -hmm. The whole notion that we have right now that somehow, some way, Christianity can survive without government protection. It's not only erroneous, it's naive. People say they want to go back to the early church. That's the early church. No government wanted to touch them. And the one that the gospel was originally sent to rejected it and was trying to stamp it out. 
That's the reality. Dr. Price wrote this book so that Jesus' kingdom would be stacked, would be defended, would be protected, and establish the way Jesus needs it to be in this generation. Every generation gave him something. Every generation. And it's our job to do our part in the continuum and establish what he needs from us. The generation who can ride on the success of the Holy Spirit and the conquest of Jesus Christ against all of these other gods. With a name that's now pervasive throughout the world, which was originally only known by the Jews. Y'all with me today? Is that okay to say? Because we have to get to that place. And that's why the prophet and prophecy exist, because it's our job to defend, impose, invoke, manifest. The prophets of old gave up their lives defending the law of God and its reason for existing and its objective. Uh, we forgot that Isaiah was thought in half, didn't we? We forgot that he said that the blood of all of the prophets, from Abel to Zechariah, Zechariah to Malachi, come on in here, will be required of that generation. They died defending Jesus Christ. That's why when he came, he defended them. Because he knows that they gave up their lives and lived in deplorable conditions to see to it that his will was manifested on earth as it is in heaven, because the law came from heaven. They were already living the Ten Commandments. Oh, come on. Jesus didn't make those just for earth. He was extending what worked in heaven to earth so that he can restore it and make it like his own world. He was extending heaven to earth, bringing heaven's solutions and answers to earth, so he could restore it. It wasn't about restricting your behavior and curtailing your passions to frolic and be like the other gods. It was about bringing life into the planet. Because what we forgot is that after Adam ate, Satan rewarded him with death and captivity. He no longer cared about his interests. Remember, Satan rewarded us with Cain, killing his brother. He rewarded us with bloodshed, warfare, conflict. Come on here. Abuse, anger, hatred, violence. That was our reward. That was our reward for doing things his way. Don't come on in the place. His rituals involved the destruction of life. 
That's why and one of the reasons why God told Eve he would multiply her conception because he knew that the culture of death, oh, come on, the system of death worship was about to be instituted. And from that point forward, what did we have? Amorites burning their children in the fire, slicing up babies out, killing them in the womb as a sacrifice. Ooh, that sounds familiar. Come on. That was the order of the day. And we know that what the continuum the Bible says is true because Satan's telling his own version of it. Why do you think that he's obsessed with zombies and vampires? What is the whole idea behind the vampire culture? They need what to survive, Vanessa? They need blood to survive. Why? Because they are dead. They have to subsist on the living. Ooh, but y'all didn't catch that, did you? So Satan has to ride on your biological life to keep himself going because eternal life was taken from him. Oh, I don't know. Prophet did did it land somewhere. Eternal life was taken from him. That's why he said these three bear witness on earth in John, first, first John, I believe. Five. You know, me and these, I'm going to get these addresses. This is why I do Bible Gateway, and it has ruined me. When I was a child, I knew where everything was. But it talks about the three that bear witness on earth and the three that bear witness in heaven. These three have to agree, and they have to agree because now that is the biology of life on the planet, spirit, water, word. I know that they're, they're going to teach you in Darwinism we came from an amoeba, but Jesus said we were born of the spirit, water, and blood. I said word, but blood. Word is in heaven. Blood. And they have to agree. Right? And they have to agree. Hmm. John 3, 3 and 5. You must be born again of what? The spirit and the water. So the content of water, spirit, and blood constitutes the origins, and the elements, key elements of life. And without it, you can't do it. So he's running to ride on the spirits and the backs of the spirits and life of humanity, which is why he takes life from you and can't give life to you because he is dead. What made Jesus unique, and we talked about that in the uh, post today, what made Jesus unique is that he could give life to you, that his presence in you is not subsisting on yours. Jesus ain't existing on the back of your biology. In fact, he says, my power in you is quickening your mortality, your mortal flesh. I'm upgrading your mortality until I can swallow up death in victory. That's why healing can work. Oh, okay. Because that's God mediating the work of mortality. Is that all right to say? Ms. Vanessa agrees with it. Does Periscope agree with that? 
The, the reason why God made us priests and intercessors is to mediate. Mediate now. We can regulate the effects of the law of sin and death by our authority. We can mediate them. That's why he told us. He gave us all the new laws of the land. These signs will follow all those that believe. You'll buy, you'll lose, you'll cast out devils, all of that. Why? Because now life is in the planet. And because life is touching the planet, guess what? It's going to mediate and mitigate the consequences of the law of sin and death. And it's going to do that for all those that believe. Oh, come on. He said, here we're going to take the powers of the age to come. It is your job. It is your job as, as warriors and as products of the continuum. It is your job. Your job. Hallelujah. To manifest the powers of the world we come from. And as long as you keep bumming it with the world, as long as they keep cheating you out of that authority, you can't manifest what people should have faith in. Oh, come on in the place. We're wondering why there is no power of God unto salvation right now because we're not manifesting what we're promised to become, what we're promised to go. Jesus manifested what heaven can do for us while he was here, which is why people believed it. We believe that he is going to keep his word because of what that Bible recorded he did himself. Your job is to be the evidence of the testimony of Jesus Christ, not your testimony. I tried. I failed. I was a sinner who fell down and got up. No! That's not going to make anybody want to believe about heaven, want to convert to go to heaven. It's you manifesting Jesus Christ's testimony. No, I decreed a thing and it happened. No, I spoke to that and shut it down. No, I, I, dealt, I dealt with cancer face on. Oh, come on in here. Come on in the place. That is what's important for you to know. The continuum is giving you the entire testimony of Jesus Christ so that we can become the embodiment and manifestation of what people need to believe about heaven. They need to see the power of the endless life and working up every day so that people can taste it through our existence. We tasted eternity through Jesus' life. And we taste it every day when we read that gospel. John said we handled the word of life. They knew it. They knew heaven was real. They knew he was real because they, he gave them a taste of it. He let them taste it on the Mount of Transfiguration. Come on in here. That brother turned into something else so they can taste what he was offering. Can people taste what Jesus is offering through you? Can they taste it? Can they say, oh, I know I encountered something I can believe in? Not because you fell down and got up, but because Jesus never broke his promise. Oh, come on in here. And on that note, I want to leave that with you. War to protect, defend, and increase what God is doing in your life. Don't take it casual. Don't make it common. 
because then it will become, I don't want to just say non-existent, but it will become perverted. The more common the world wants it to become, the more powerful is it true. Their presence is in our high places, our high places. Amen. I want you to think of that this week. As we close out, I'm going to uh, say a prayer over you, but I want to invite you to sow a seed tonight and partner with the Wednesday Warrior Nation. You can find us on Facebook. We have our own study group and page. We stay in contact with each other all week. I pray for you guys. I pray for the Warrior Nation. I pray for those that are really seeking, diligently seeking their God to stay true and faithful to what he gave. And I pray for the power in you to grow every week, day by day, that it would increase in everything that you do. It says when sin abounds, grace does abound all the more. And Dr. Price taught us that grace isn't just a free hall pass to sin and get away with it, but it's your power to no longer need to sin. It's your power to no longer need it. You have to have a grace to walk out what Jesus promised and to walk out the life he's offering. You can't do that under Satan's iniquity. You can't do that with his weapons because it says the weapons of his warfare are what? They are carnal, which means you can't do it by the flesh. You have to have God's grace to walk it out. So I invite you to partner with us. Join the Warrior, uh, uh, Wednesday Warrior Book Club. Join us on Facebook. Stay in contact with us all week long. You can join us. Follow me on Twitter as well. I know some of my Twitter Periscope fans. I mean, I'm not on Facebook, but you can follow me on Twitter as well. I try to post chronicles every day to empower you to never forget who you are. Out of sight, out of mind. Out of mind, out of action. M-I-A. You'll be missing in action. That's why Paul says, think on these things. Because it's out of sight, it's out of your mind. It's out of your mind, you'll be MIA. So I invite you to partner with us. Join the Wednesday Warrior Nation. Let's stand together. Let's fight together. And let's not give up on Jesus Christ. Don't let one mistake and one failure cause you to give up on Jesus Christ and the promise you have in him. So I'm inviting you to sow a seed, okay? You can... Uh, Support the Warrior Nation. You can support me in doing this at www.tallaprice.com. That's www.tallaprice.com. I thank you for some of my core warriors out there for posting that for me, but I invite you to support, and I invite you to sow into what you are becoming. We're sowing into what this kingdom is doing and who we are. If we can get, if we can sow to get money off of for cars and houses, I know we can get a harvest off of a changed life, sowing into the changed life, sowing into your transformation, sowing into what God is calling you to become. I know we can. Our seeds are eternal. And let me tell you something, your reward's coming from eternity too. Many of you are about to see power like you've never seen before to do this thing called Christ. God is going to be crushing the heads of a lot of enemies as he brings in his own forces and agencies to reset the scale, balance, rebalance the earth, and remind darkness who they work for. They're about to be heavily reminded. 
and we're going to be reminded too. So I want you to go ahead and sow those seeds, and right now I'm going to go ahead and take an opportunity to pray with you as we close out tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Did you guys enjoy that here? Yes, I got, you know, some people came out to support me, and I appreciate that tonight. And so praise God in the place. We're going to go ahead and get started with some prayer because I'm so excited tonight. I'm just so, so excited to share this time with you. It's been great. I had fun. And I, um, yes, I like the applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your prayers and your support. It means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to God for us to not let the flame of the righteous go out and for us to stand as the remnant and not bow our knee to the extreme pressure from darkness, from your neighbors, from everybody to forget about your God. And most of all, to miscegenate your God back into what didn't work in Eden. Praise God. Father, we thank you tonight. I thank you for my warriors. I thank you, God, for those that are standing, that are holding fast to your truth, that are holding fast to your promises, that are holding fast to your word, that are holding fast to their identity in you. God, this thing is about them becoming the essence and the measure of everything that you've done, everything that you did in the spirit, everything that you've done in the flesh, everything that you are today. I thank you, Lord God, that they're fighting, that they're fighting forward, and you are fighting for them. They need to know this week that you are fighting for them, that you are standing there in the midst of their circumstances and their situations as God, taking preeminence over what you have designed for them before the foundation of the world. God, I thank you that you remind them who they are, that they will live in their stations and not their situations, that God, that you will bless your Bokua, cause them to step up into their place and begin to see things from the realm in which they sit and not the realm, Father God, that is trying to take them out. I thank you, Lord, that this is the week uh, that you will not show them how strong you are and how strong they can be in you. I thank you, God, for the fortified grace. I thank you, God, for the fortified power. I thank you, God, for the fortified authority to go ahead and face off with the opposition and really, God says, lie, lie, lie. Destroy the mirage of defeat. Destroy all the facades of the enemy. Then wipe out, Father God, the smoke free and cloud of darkness that is causing your people to believe the lie of defeat that he's trying to issue out on the church, God. We will not be the giants in Jericho who are going to allow ourselves to be threatened by the smoke free darkness to take us out. We will not be those people. We will stand and believe our God. We will open our eyes up like Elisha and see that there are more with us than against us in this thing. God, I thank you that you would give them that insight, that you would cause the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened about their faith, about their church, about your kingdom, and even about their own lives. Some people got their jobs lying to them, making them feel defeated. Some people got their money lying to them, making them feel defeated. But today, God, I thank you that you would erase the smoke screen and cause them to see and operate and even make decisions this week in the light of the truth. God, thank you. Not according to a vain imagination and a threat tactic. God, I come against every intimidating force, every bullying spirit that's coming to coward them, Father God, about making moves concerning their lives and even their purpose and destiny. I thank you for awakening them, God, now in the name of Jesus Christ to the hope and the God of all hope. Mm. That they will stay true and stand on your promises that cannot be annulled. Your word, you said that Jotham still can't pass away, God, until it's performed. 
And I thank you, God, that they will rest in the performing power and your ability, God, from, the, from before time until now, to pass. And I thank you for delivering and causing it to be so in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, come on in here. I want you to unite your faith with that prayer because some of y'all need to stop believing the smokescreen and the lies of the enemy because that's what he's trying to get us to do is believe those lies and believe that God cannot deliver on what he said, that the church is going to be out. Look at all the things that they're trying to make us believe right now, even about our faith and about the power and the authority of our Savior. But this ain't Jesus' first rodeo. He likes to be a man of war, and he likes to go after it. He raised up our position. So he has a reason to flex his muscles and show us why he's the God of God. And he's going to do that in this season, and he's going to do that in your lives. And, God, I thank you. We release this right now on Stewart 5001, on Crown One. I'm, I'm glad, glad to have you back, Crown One. Praise God. And I'm most proud of what God is doing in your life. He said, he said, but God, a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Continue to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you will be fed. God is going to visit your life with what you need to break the complete seal on your calling. So I'm happy to have you back. Recognize, okay, crown one, that God is going to move for you. All right. Anita, God, I thank you for her warring, and I thank you for her standing. But most of all, God, I thank you for giving her the answers she needs right now for moving forward in some things in her life. Answers, Anita, is what I'm sending your way from the Holy Spirit. He says, get with him in prayer for about three days, and he's going to give you some answers to things that you've been wanting to know. You've got a lot of heavy things on the altar. He says, continue to press in him three days. Okay, choose the time and, and, and weekend. You can get away and get concentrated prayer time because that's what's going to break the seal on your understanding of some things. God, for Miss Neese, for Apostle Dennis Brown, for Be Brave Woman, yes, I'm glad to see you back on as well, and that God will continue to move you forward in, in this life. I just want to say this to you, Be Brave One. The Word of God is working mightily in you. A lot of the newfound strength that you're going to feel and experience is from that Word working in you. God, for Sade, yes, I'm glad to see you back as well. And I release the strength and power, Father God, that she is praying for, for a breakthrough in her soul and a breakthrough in her life. God, I partner with her as, yes, God, as your agent and prophet for the breakthrough that she needs, God, for the turnaround that she's pressing you for, for it personally. This is not even just about material things. There's a personal thing, Father God, that she wants you to move for, and we release it today. For Whitney Rose, God, for 2020 Nutrition, for Tyranny Black, for Born to Conquer, God, for Together Forever, for Mean 0312, for Prophet Toya Brown, for Paulette, for Lovey, for Angela, God, we release this prayer on you. You guys are going to see breakthroughs. I'm telling you, a, fresh, a refreshing wind is going to be sweeping through the body of Christ. God's going to remind us that he's fighting for us and where our power lies and who has the victory in this fight. I'm telling you, he's breaking smoke screens this week. He's breaking mirages this week. He's breaking off the lies, even false dreams. Some of you guys have been dreaming about things that God wants you to know are not necessarily from him. Y'all going to have to vet your dreams because the enemy's trying to sow certain things in your sleep. Make deposits because these, are ba- these, are, these dreams are baiting dreams. To get you to move out on things out of timing, to get you to be frustrated with your God, these dreams are baiting. And so I want you to vet them. Now, that doesn't mean everyone you're having, but many of you need to start betting your dreams, getting with seasoned prophets, and having somebody pray some things through with you. 
walk some things through with you. I'll be more than happy to do that with you. That's part of my job as a prophecy coach, as a life coach, to walk these things through with you, to make sure that the enemy doesn't take unfair advantage of where you are in seeking your God right now. And I release this, Father God, on Temple O'Brien. Temple, continue to go after it. In Jesus' name, he says, continue to go after it. I don't know what it is that you're pursuing right now, if it's business or ministry, but you've gotten into a posture of, of really wanting to pursue this thing and wondering, is it just me, God, or should I be really doing this? Is this you selling me and go this direction? Yes, God says, go after it. I'd love to talk to you more about that, but he says, go after it. It's not this is the season in your life to shrink back from things. God, for Nigeria, we bless her in college. We bless her in school. We say, I pronounce success on your life, Nigeria. I pronounce success on your life. I usher in the ages of success for you on your life. I come against that haunting spirit that's making you believe that you may not pass, that you might fail. And I right now replace that with the courage and boldness of the Almighty God. The forces, the generation forces on your life will not be. You will not be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You won't be a parent-fulfilling prophecy. You won't be anything but a fulfillment of what God spoke before time began concerning you. Cassandra Hines, God, I release it upon her. Amethyst, we bring you on into that in good company. We bring you into that destiny. We bring you into that way. God's going to begin to start opening up your prophetic ears and your prophetic eyes. You're going to be seeing things all over the place. You ain't going to be able to help yourself. You're going to be seeing it all over the place. Okay? Kelly, Kelly, you're going to be getting some things uh, settled for you financially. I don't know what kind of small debt or issue you have going on, but God says he's about to step into your situation and resolve some things concerning, it seems like it's money-related, but it also seems like it's solved up into in a couple of different things here that are going on in your life that you've been trying to get resolved. So he's going to work those things out for you. He says wisdom is the principal thing. Don't react out of your emotions. React out of wisdom. Allow him to give you the strategies you need to break beyond. God, we release this on Jacqueline Earthly, on Sonia Wells. Sonia, you have a breakthrough coming in your finances. Something is going to shift for you to be able to set your life up the way you want to. So be looking for that. You and I can discuss that more later. God, Linda, I'm giving as Linda, okay, hundredfold return on everything that she has done. Amen? A hundredfold return. We release this on Elaine Stewart, on Nettie. I'm releasing a breakthrough on your life. I want to tell you, Lynette, that your life is going to be literally, you're coming out of past seasons. Every past cycle, every pattern and sequence that has tried to take you out and to prevent you from progressing and moving forward is about to be broken. God says he's literally closing out your last chapter, and the residue of that won't be on you. It won't be on your soul. It won't be on your spirit. It won't be on your children. It will not move forward past 2017. God says he's putting an end to your former life. This is going to be a demarcation and line in the sand for you, and you're going to feel it as God's favor opens up in a variety of ways concerning you. So expect that to come. God, I do it for Apostle Sally. You know our hearts and prayers are with you in this time of loss, and, and also for your health as well. We're praying strength. We're praying uh, healing. We're praying complete uh, fortitude and power in you. Yes, that this will be a season that God will begin to fortify some things going on. There's some things that the doctors are not seeing that are also creating complications for you and making an extra drain on your body. Now, you're used to your, yourself feeling a certain way every day, but you've been having an added drain, and there's something that's
that they're not looking at or examining concerning you. I don't know if it's an interaction, a, me, a, a prescription drug interaction that shouldn't be happening, but this thing is draining on you, and you need to go and have, uh, have them look again at how things are interacting in your body so that they can do that uh, and, and resolve that for you because the way you feel isn't from the natural course of things. Okay, have that looked at. For Terrence Frederick, God, I release, God, a breakthrough in Terrence's ministry. You're about to be kicked upstairs. And I don't mean kicked upstairs as a just ministerial growth, even though you experience that, but you're about to be kicked upstairs in revelation. You're knocking on the door of a revelatory breakthrough and answer you asked God many years ago. You're knocking on the door of that. And he's about to break you beyond. And he's about to open up a round to you. He says, you sought it, son, you pressed for it, and you asked me for it. He says, you better be ready for what's going to come. There's going to be a price for some of the things that you're asking him, a pearl of great price for the wisdom and for the revelation and understanding you want to have about the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're knocking on that door. Be ready for the answer. Amen. I release this on Rachelia. Rachelia, it's good to see you back. I'm glad to have you. I pronounce this prayer on you. He says, don't grow weary. He says, don't, don't go backwards. Don't look back. That everything for you is about cutting ties and moving forward in the future. I'm not sure if this is just related uh, ministerially, professionally, but whatever it is that you're deciding or making a decision about right now, God says the answer isn't behind you. It isn't in the past. Well, you know, before, well, when this happened the last time, well, you know, when we, well, I don't want to repeat, the answer's not in the past. So God says don't look back. Look forward to the future and look forward to the things that I told you will be. Okay, for Sharon Maxwell, Sharon, it's always good to see you. Keep fighting. I know it's been difficult, but you keep fighting for the breakthrough that God promised you in your life. Fighting for that internal thing. God right now is working on the, uh, uh, converting the soul. You've been wondering what is it that he's actually doing in your life, but he's been working on that. He's doing some deep work inside of your soul self. And you're going to emerge in, in about 2019, 2020. We're going to be like, who is Sharon? We don't even recognize this person. Because God's doing that deep of a work in your life, and you're going to get that deep of a breakthrough. God, for Marcia Shannon, I thank you, Marcia, for your support, for continuing to watch our release a blessing on you and your whole household this week, even your kids. Your kids need something. They've been asking God for a breakthrough, and God's going to release that their way. For Lenard Higgins, it's great to have you on uh, I thank you for the support and watching tonight. And I release a blessing and breakthrough on you and your whole family in this season, that God will continue to keep you all and to continue to watch over you as you continue to press forward in what he's given you to do. You guys had a lot of options for how you could respond to the seasons of life that were difficult. But God says thank you for not giving up on him and for standing strong in who you are in Christ. And for Douglas Jeter, I release a blessing upon you, upon your mom, upon your family. We will continue to pray for her healing and her restoration and for her to be made whole in this season of her life. And we continue to pray for economic breakthrough from you. In Jesus' name, God's going to break you through and work out some things in your life professionally and economically for you. So I release that blessing on you now in Jesus' name. Well, that's it. That's all we have time for. So we're going to have to catch you next time for the next edition of Wednesday Warriors. I look forward to it. But until then, check me out on the book club. I'll be there touching base with you all week long. God bless and have a good night. All right, let's do it. Let's go.
So, Vanessa, how was that? Did you like it? Which is high for me for Facebook. Sure. I think I had the book. I think it was down. 